Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. Bob, it's good to be with you today, my friend. Good to see you too, Doug. Yeah, how you been? Oh, I, dude, I'm, I've, I've been good. My son graduated high school. That's right. That's right. I feel older, uh, wiser. Um, I'd probably even say, yeah, just like uh, it was, it's just been a really wild season of baccalaureates and graduations wow. and helping, you know, get some things planned for the, for the summer, but been really, really grateful for it. I got to tell you, I'm a little jealous because, uh, our oldest, uh, our son, he did his GED and our, our middle child, she's, she's going through a kind of an alternative school where she works at her own pace, you know? And so Amy and I are like, we love, we love all three of them and we're super happy for the ways that they've, that they're succeeding. We're just hoping with our third one, we get some kind of like a, like a normal, like high school, uh, graduation kind of experience, you know? Um, yes. yeah. Cause, cause we see all the other parents doing all that. And yeah. Anyway, I, I, I'm, yeah. so I'm a little, I'm a little envious, Doug. I am. I am. Hey, you're allowed to be. Cause like, uh, so we, we made, we made a decision this past year as my son's senior year and he wanted to transfer to a Catholic school. And so it's as like half the listeners just shut us down. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, dude, it was awesome. He had such a good year, but their their baccalaureate, they shut down the road and they march with a bagpiper in the front and people Whoa. with swords, like holding up big broadswords down the street to the Catholic church called St. Stan's. It was like tears in my eye. I mean, it was one of the most wait, beautiful wait, wait. things I've ever seen. St. Stan? Yeah, St. Stanislaus. Oh, okay. Because I'm thinking Saint Stan. Yeah. He's like the patron saint of working guys or something. But <laughs> Stanislaus, that's a little different. That's a little yeah, different. a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was just so cool, man. And and um, oh, we had a awesome. chance just to watch it and to take it all in. And it made made me think back to my graduation, which I was like, that's a long time ago. I can't even oh, yeah. remember how many years. But anyways, yeah. So we we've been. We've been uh, talking a little bit before we even jumped on here. We we're talking about uh, a group prayer, and uh, yeah. there's a, we have an interview coming off with with Carolyn Carney, and she wrote a great book about group prayer. And I feel like a praying church is a church that that has this sort of authority and this power, and yeah. also just this tenderness and compassion um, that the Spirit seems to bring when a church focuses on prayer. But you and I both have some pretty unique prayer group prayer stories so i think i'm going to turn the mic to you bob tell us about group prayer oh in man. your church well, you know I'll, I'll just tell you one of the things that i learned is that there are openers and there are closers when it comes <laughs> to group prayer right there and the problem is if you ever get those mixed up you're in deep trouble like there are some people that you want to ask to start things off because they're going to, they're just going to, they're going to pray everybody up. You know, they're going to, they start things off with a bang and it goes well, but you ask that person to close and people are going to get upset because those, (laughs) you've been praying for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then this guy comes on and he's going to double the time. He's going to add another, you know, just doesn't quite know when to land the plane. That's one of the things that I've noticed, you know, is, is, Mm. is you got to know who your openers and who your closers are and you gotta, you gotta call them at the right time. But 
Uh, one time when we were uh, planting a church in Portland, Oregon, we had a time of, of prayer. We were trying to discern whether or not, you know, we had planted in this pub space and we were trying to discern as we had outgrown the pub, do we go to another pub across town that's a little bigger or do we try to move into this church space that, that is a possibility? And we were, you know, we were just really trying to listen and find consensus and discern together. Um, as we're doing this, we had this one gal that I would say was maybe one or two degrees more charismatic than our norm, you know, on the, okay. on the bell curve. Uh, she was, yeah, she was, uh, she was off to the right a little bit. And um, she said in the middle of this prayer time, I just really feel like we need to pray for Pastor Bob. Like we need to get him, sit, sit him in the middle here and pray for him. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's not really what, you know, but everybody else seemed to be on board. So I was like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll take some prayer. She started off, right? And she, you know, she, people gather around, they put their hands on my shoulders and whatnot. She comes up, she puts her hand right on the top of my head. Like, mm. well, like she's trying to palm a basketball, right? <laughs> and she starts praying. And uh, in the middle of this, she gets, I don't know if it's a vision or what, but she says, God, I just, I see this picture. And I see, you know, I, I think the reason why Bob has no hair is that so you can just reach down and put your wisdom and your thoughts like right into his head with no interference. And I'm sitting there going, is this actually happening? I'm like peeking out with one eye to see are people laughing? What is happening? But she was like, she was dead serious. And oh, she goes man. on for a while. And afterwards, you know, just kind of circling up with some others. I go, did that really happen? And they're like, yep, <laughs> that's the reason why you're bald. It's so God, and that became a running joke, man. They're, Bob, the reason why you don't have any hair, you know, you should take that hat off because God's trying to tell you something right now, and that hat's getting in the way. And, and, oh my uh, gosh. And I've always thought about that, uh, just that moment of being prayed, like it, it couldn't have been something awesome. Like, I just feel like God's telling me he's got great things in store. No, it's the reason why. You're bald. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bob, I think the biblical response is you call down the bears. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, she, she right? was, she was putting, she wasn't like, it wasn't go, go down bald head. No, she wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't mocking me. There was nothing really to, to, to call out there. It was just a really interesting take on male pattern baldness, spiritualizing <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. I've never seen oh that happen God. before. Yeah. So Dude, that, all that to that's say, a blessing. yeah, just watch out. Group prayer is a wonderful thing. Uh, it can go sideways really quick. Yes. And I appreciate the wisdom about the openers and closers. It's almost like you think about it like a pitching rotation, yeah, which is exactly. really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, and I just want to also, I feel like we should, we should just clarify too. Um, if you do have a full head of hair and you decide to shave it so you can get the wisdom download, it's counterfeit. So I wouldn't do it like it. <laughs> I think you should just uh, embrace what you, you know, I love that verse in the Old gave. Testament, man. It's right there. It says in the Levitical law, if a man loses his hair, he is still clean. You know, he, is, mm. <laughs> <laughs> he can still enter God's presence. Yeah. Uh -oh. Yeah. Take that. Yes. Hairy Take people. That. 
<laughs> well, hey, um, yeah, I I think for me, I've just watched over the I, I hate to be the serious person right now, but I've just loved we two of our elders have just chased down um what it looks like to to develop a healthy prayer mm. rhythm in our church. And it's been I think it's been I think they just celebrated 10 years every Tuesday night. Folks get together and they worship and they pray. And um it's just been so cool. I haven't heard anything about male pattern baldness, but I have heard a lot about just like people pouring out their hearts to the Lord yeah. and the Lord responding in really cool ways. But yeah, we hope you all enjoy this interview with Carolyn Carney and you learn something and hopefully it'll help you continue to move forward in the direction that God is calling you to move. Amen. Carolyn, welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real, it's a real joy. Yeah, and I love that. Even uh, I think one of the gifts that it it has been for doing this podcast for the for the eight seasons is just getting a chance to connect with with folks, our guests beforehand, and it was just really nice to talk spiritual direction, which I'm sure we'll jump into as we chat about prayer and all these other things. But um, tell our tell our folks a little bit about yourself and your particular calling. Yeah. Um, I've been working with uh, campus ministry with InterVarsity for close to 40 years. Um, and um, it, it, uh, it dawned on me a few years ago, well, I guess maybe about 20 years ago now, that uh, over the course I was serving in South Africa for a couple of years. And while I was there during those, those years, I could count on six figures the the times that I just sort of came alive. Um, and those were all times having to do with spiritual formation or prayer or discernment with someone. Um, and that's really where my life has taken me, you know, since then. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I developed this, this uh, role in prayer sort of, um, I, just because I'm not, I'm not sure why I just, it just moved in that, in that particular direction. Mm. And so you, you are still with InterVarsity and what is your official title? Yeah. My official title is I'm the national director of spiritual formation. Oh, that's beautiful. And so much of what you do in terms of, and I think even just as we chatted a little bit earlier, but so much of the way that you see that is deeply, deeply, deeply connected with prayer. That's right. That's yeah. right. I mean, because I, I mean, spiritual formation in many ways is, um, is our our walk with God. Like, how do we view God, mm. um, and then how do we relate to God? So, prayer is how we pray is really dependent upon how we view God. Mm. Um, and so, there's there's lots of lots of connections there, lots of interactions. Absolutely. So you've been, you know, you, 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 you do a lot of work with, uh, you know, with leaders and who are working with college students. What are, what are some of the things that you're, you're noticing in the season of the last few years? Hmm. Well, with the pandemic, um, you know, it was interesting. I, I think in the beginning parts of the pandemic, um, there, and, and I live, just across the river from Manhattan, my I got to go to church in Manhattan. So, you know, it 
Manhattan became this really eerie sort of place those first few weeks uh, in March 2020. And I think there was this similar to 9-11 when there seemed to be a turn that people made toward God or reaching out. I think that that really happened. I think that that's dissipated um, for now. Um, and we're in, a, in, another, in another season, I, I think, with the, the other pandemics that happened, you know, people call the, the, um, the racial unrest um, a place where, um, where that was, you know, a pandemic, um, or it's probably more so endemic. Um, and a lot of the political um, uh, tensions that were there. Um, and so it's created this place, I think, in or this space where um, the, I think the church has really been rocked. Um, I think campus ministry has been, has been mm-hmm. rocked. I know us in university, we have, um, our, our numbers are really, have really dwindled, have really come down in the last uh, couple of years, as a, I think as a result of the pandemic and of other things, but. Yeah. And, and I think that there's so much that we probably will figure out as the years continue to go of like, Oh, that's what that is. Or, Oh, that, I mean, I think, you know, in our, in working as spiritual directors, there are these moments when you can really name some things where things just really come alive. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there's just a way where the spirit begins to move and work and heal. But I feel like we're still so close to it that even there's times when it's even hard to name. It's just still this like unnameable Leviathan sort of hanging out underneath right. the surface of, of one's right. soul. Whereas yeah. a generation from now, we might, it might become very, very clear what was going on. Yes. Right. But right now yeah. we're, we're we're in the middle of the story, and we yes, there's no figuring it out when you're in the middle. I love that. So, um, one of the things that I'm really excited to talk about is you just wrote a book called "The Power of Group Prayer: uh, How Intercession Transforms Us and the World," and I think it's very timely for the church. Uh, I'm really excited to put this in front of pastors today, and even just to have you speak a little bit about. Um, the book and some of your own research. Um, but what I appreciate is it's not just a bunch of head research, but you have so many good, uh, just practical resources for churches to begin to think through. Um, and so I just want to play out like an assumption. I think that we assume that all churches pray, right? Prayer is just sort of a natural thing that churches do. You know, everybody knows how to pray. But my sense is as one who has studied, who who has trained churches, has trained leaders, has led retreats, that you find some major misconceptions about prayer that exist in the church today. Can you name some of those for us? Oh yeah. I think, um, you know, we, we all know, we, we are probably all familiar with, um, and I, you know, I may step on toes here, but you know, at least, um, at least this is just audio, you know, right. <laughs> at least I'm yeah. not actually doing it. But, so the, you know, the pastoral prayer, Right mm. is is often in in our churches where the pastor prays, you know, and everyone else sort of listens. We say our amen at the end. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's praying together. That's the pastoral prayer, you know. I was at a church recently where, um, in that particular church, they did prayers of the people, and when it came time to, they were praying for. Um, for healing, I think a lot of times we pray for for physical healing, 
Um, and in this particular church, when they came to that part of the service, uh, that part of the prayer, they just listed people's names. We pray for Mary and Paul and John. And, and I, I just thought, well, God probably knows that, that they're sick. That they, you know, like, what is it that we, we're praying? Are we actually, are we just saying their, their name? Um, and so I, I think when it comes down to it, it, it is this question of who do we believe God is and what God wants to do in the world. Uh, do we do we believe? Sometimes it's like it's not so much the um, the mechanism of prayer, but it's understanding who it is that we're praying to. Uh, but there is some mechanis- mechanistic things too that can help us. I think in our prayer. Um, and I, 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 you know, and I've also sorry, I've also seen the yeah. the thing where. You know, and I've, I I mentioned this story in my in my book. One of the first times I went to a prayer meeting at church was, uh, we broke up into smaller groups. I think by gender, and um, uh, we went around and shared prayer requests. Probably we spent most of the time talking about our prayer requests, and then one person started praying, and they prayed through the whole list. And so then, what's What's left to pray? You know, so is there a way we can pray together better uh, Mm -hmm. than what we've been doing? And I, I think there is, which is why I wrote the book. Yeah, well, and I think that that's really helpful because it's almost like there, there seems to be this, this, this idea or this thought that's out there that, like, well, yeah, you know, prayer is just a mechanism, right? And I appreciate that you name that. When in reality, what I, what I think you are absolutely right saying is. It's really about how we see God and how we understand his interaction with us. And, and I think that, that that is the foundational space of prayer, not, you know, well, pray in this way or like, yeah, try these four things. Like both are important, but I think if we don't get the first right, if we don't get who God is uh, and, and a growing knowledge of, of who God is and a growing understanding of who he is, then the prayer is just probably just words, really, in, in a lot right. of ways. That's right. So, so I, I make this analogy in the in the book about um, prayer, praying, thinking about praying as like you're making, you're building a super highway through the mountains. And so, when you when you go to do that, I've never built a super highway through the mountains. But I did a little bit of research on it, and so I found out like what you do is you have to, very simply put, you figure out what you don't want to be there, and you get mm. that out of the way. And then oh. you figure out, well, what do I need to be there? And you put that in. So it's what what do I not, what do I don't, what don't I want? And what do I want? Okay. So in like thinking about like you're praying for your church service on Sunday, on Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever it is you have your church service, right? Yeah. You're you're praying for that. And so what one of the things, one of the the views of God is to be able to say, you know, God wants people to worship him. It's not right that people, you know, read the New York Times in their pajamas on Sunday morning um, and don't, don't even care about going to church. It's not right. God did not intend that. And so we get that front and center. That's not what God wants. That's not that's not the way to live. 
Uh, so we get that right. So we pray that out of the way. God, would you wake us up? Would you wake up your, the world that you've made? Because it's not right that people are ignoring you. And then we come, we say, well, God can change that. And so God, would you stir people up? We kind of, this is what we, we, what we bring in. Would you bring people, would you bring believers around those folks who are reading the New York Times? Would you have them um, as their pay, of course, maybe no one need, reads the newspaper anymore, maybe it's on their phone, but would you have them come across an ad that somehow grabs them and pulls their attention to you? Um, anyway, that's some of what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Well, and I, I'd love to play with that a little bit more. You know, what what do you need to have out of the way and what do you need to be putting in there? I think there's something really significant about that. And so what are some of the things that, that like, you know, let's, you know, you're a pastor, it's Monday morning, you're exhausted. Like, how do you encourage a pastor's prayer life on us on a Monday? Like, mm. what might that look like? What things, you know, just would, would we be wanting to think to, to, to get out of the way and what things would we be wanting to put in the way or put, put there mm -hmm. in its place? Mm. Yeah, I would say, I think ministry people are some of the most um, critical people and we're critical of ourselves. I think we're all, we can also be critical about the people who we're, who we're serving too, right? But on Monday morning, I think oftentimes what happens is that we're thinking about what, you know, what, what did we do wrong? What was wrong about yesterday? Right. And sometimes we're pointing the finger at ourselves, sometimes we're pointing it out there at others. Um, so so maybe a place a place to start would be a place of, you know, I'm really my my friend Marianne, who I dedicated the book to, would say, What's the fat? You know, they would they would give a fat offering in the old testament, you know. Um, mm. and that's the what's the good stuff? What's what's the good that happened? And so getting in a posture, in a, in, a, in, a, in a rhythm of naming that regularly before we get to the critical part, because we, we go to that easily, the critical part. But can we, can we give uh, a fat offering to God first off, you know? And then I think, and then I think there's the honesty of telling God, this is, this is how I feel. And and maybe it's such I am exhausted. Um, you know, sometimes I think too what happens is that as we as we get older um in our prayer life, we often use less words. Um, we might use a lot of words when we're praying with other people, but when we're by ourselves, I think oftentimes it's less it's less words. So so maybe the prayer is simply a you know a cupping of your of your hands to God, it's saying I, I'm empty. You know, fill me up. So some some thoughts there. Thank you. I, the great thoughts. I I feel like you really accurately articulated a, a Monday morning for many, and and it's so interesting how too. I think that's the, one of the things that I hear the most, even that I notice in my own soul the most. It's just it's critical. What could I have done better? And 
And I've always tried to play with the idea of like, I wonder what God thinks. Like, what is, what is God, how is God seeing me in this moment of like feeling exhausted, being super critical of myself, like trying to figure out those things. And I feel like even in that, it's like, yeah, the words, the older I've got, the more I've matured, the more I've grown, the more I've also realized words kind of don't always work. Sometimes it's just literally being fully present with God. And, and, um, I'm like, I'm super tactile. So I've got these, I have this like Orthodox prayer bead thing that I use that I kind of thumb through and just breathe and just pay attention to the spirit in the midst Mm. of all of that. And I found that to be such like a helpful tool of presence, but even, but especially on my Mondays, because I feel like I'm so good Mm. at beating myself up with stuff. It's like, Oh, let's just, let's just pause and breathe and just notice God's love, notice his care, notice where he's at. Um, but yeah, it's and interesting you, and because you probably used a lot of words on Sunday too. So you, oh yeah, you might just be out. You might just be spent. You know, <laughs> I'm out of words. Yeah, I'm done. Right. My my family laughs at me because I I feel like I'm usually I, I'm 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 usually pretty quiet from Sunday afternoon until about until about Monday night, and then like words start to come back. That's actually good. I haven't really thought about that. Um, but you know, I think so much of, of of like what what it is for the church is is that you know like if you could give like a, a an elevator statement like hey church this is why you should pray like mm-hmm. how would you answer that or this is why prayer needs to grow within you why like how would you answer that yeah um, I would say because because you need it and the world needs it. Mm. It is our it is our lifeline to God, and and I, I and I I think the other thing I'd say is that because uh, you know you just can't say one. It's this is a long elevator. It elevator yep. got stuck, and so we'll just go on. Perfect. Perfect. Um, is that you know so often I think we as Christians will we kind of throw up our hands and say, well, that's that's just the way the world is, you know. Soccer is always going to be on Sunday morning. That's just just the way. That's just the way it is. You know, Um, that's just the way it is. And when we do that, we we resign a Christian worldview. We just we abandon it. Hmm. We abandon a Christian worldview. So what if we instead we we would say, no, (laughs) God. I think God wants to change that and God has the power to change that. So that's where the, the transformation comes in. The, the, the transformation moves us from, I think, being consumers in the world. And I think the, you know, um, Madison Avenue has made us into really excellent consumers, right? We, we move from being consumers to being ambassadors. I think isn't that what we're what mm. we're called we're called to be ambassadors, not consumers of this world going around. So 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 rather than being um rather than seeing seeing the world and saying, like I you know, I, I live on a street where there's um there's I live in the city and uh there's often a lot of a lot of garbage on the street. Um well well, you know, there's this guy who walks around. I see him in the morning. I walk the dog in the morning and uh, I see this guy out 
and he carries a big plastic bag with him, and he's out there picking up the smallest pieces of trash. Now, I don't know if this guy is a Christian or not, but in his mindset is, his, his view of the world is, it's not supposed to be like this. And so he does something to change it. How can we as Christians, you know, look at the world and say, ah, that's just the way, that's just the way it is. Should we, should we not also say it's not supposed to be like this? And let that, well, let that bring us to a place of inquiring, asking the one who cares about it much more than we do and who has the power to change things to actually do that. And when we do that, when we're able to do that, when we pray in that way, we, we begin to see God answering. We begin to see the changes in the world and name it as, oh, I remember praying that, and here's God at work doing this. And so our faith grows. So you talk about this idea in your book around intercession, and I feel like you just sort of painted this really cool metaphor in this picture of like, how that works in, in, in a lot of ways, right? Like you can just look at things and be like, Oh, it's just the world. It's bad. And sin runs rampant. And well, you know, like, what am I going to do? It's just me. But it seems like you're painting this picture of, of intercession and of prayer is like, it's, it's, you see it, but then the heart of God, like does something within you. And you're like, I need to, I need to be asking and be working on the behalf of the King and his kingdom. That's in the right. midst of what is happening. So yeah, talk to us a bit more about intercession and what that is. Cause I feel like that can be a really big, scary word uh, for certain people, right? Like yep. um, it, so, some folks might think intercession right. is like, you know, those weirdos who sit in the back and, you know, they probably have flags in their pocket and they're ready to, to dance around and do stuff. Um, so yeah, t- tell us about intercession and what that is. Yeah. Um, I actually think a great, a simple way of describing intercession is uh, and I, I heard it by another another pastor. Um, is with with one hand we touch we touch the world, and the other hand we touch the throne of God and we bring them together. So there's a there's a connection to the world. There's a connection to God. We bring them together. Our hands folded as they would be in prayer. Um, it's you know Jesus Jesus taught us a prayer. That's a great intercession. Prayer, you know, the Lord's prayer is an intercession prayer for sure. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you an example. I, I I talk about this in the introduction in the book, um, where it was as the pandemic was was starting and lockdown was starting, and um, I reached out to three women in my church, the the older women in my church who knew I knew lived alone, and wanted to make sure they were okay, and um, and so I called each one of them, and then I got the I got the thought, hey, what if we what if we prayed together? So we began praying together once a week for an hour, and um, some of them had never done that before. Um, but w- you know what what happened was I don't have I don't have children of my own, um, but Joy um, Joy has 
grandchildren. She has a, a she has children and grandchildren, and um, we start thinking about children during during COVID during the pandemic. And Joy start when Joy started praying for her grandchildren. As I listened to her pray, I then could learn about how to pray for children because mm. I went on Joy expressed her heart, and I learned some about her. And so I sort of like. I don't know, borrowed some of her heart or it kind of was by osmosis, whatever. I was um, compelled by what I heard in Joyce, in Joyce prayer. I remember very early on, uh, probably April or May, I guess, of 2020, um, I remember we started praying for a vaccine. And uh None of us are scientists, you know, uh, but we started praying for for a vaccine, and we heartfelt prayed for a vaccine. Um, we prayed for we prayed for scientists. We prayed for for tests. We prayed for wisdom. We prayed uh, for the financing of of that. For all of that, we prayed for Dr. Fauci. You know, we prayed uh, for for so much. And then when the vaccine came. You know, it was we had kind of like a praise party, you know, in in our in our little pod of people we were praying with because it felt like we had it, it wasn't just that we we're gonna get the shot in our arm, but that our somehow our prayers work towards that happening. And we felt like, yes, God, you you heard us and you and actually the vaccine came so much more quickly than than things like that normally happen. Um, so that was just one one um, one example, I think, of how of how intercession worked. I think an, another thing why I wrote this book for groups of people and not just for individuals is because there were times in our our little group it was Joy and Fumi and Louisa and myself, and um, there were times when. Uh, one or the other of us, our faith really lagged. Like we didn't have the faith or the courage to pray. But then Fumi would pray. And as Fumi prayed and expressed faith, then faith started to grow in that person who was lacking faith. Um, and so there was this mutual encouragement together um, that happened. And so our faith grew together, even as our, uh, as our, as our, as we learned how to pray together, our faith grew too. So you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself, um, how do I, how do I start a prayer group? Like, you know, what, what are just some really practical nuts and bolts on, on, on how to do that? Well, like we, yeah, you know, we have the pastoral prayer and we have prayers of the people and, you know, we might even have a time where we allow people to be quiet in our service. But like, it sounds like what you're talking about, what you're advocating for in your book is, is something that is different than just praying in a gathering. But you're saying like, no, these are like intentional communities that are geared around praying. And so, yeah, yeah how, how would someone just begin to dip their toes in that water? Yeah. Um, if I if if I was a pastor listening listening to this, I'll, I'll just um, one of the things 
that I've that I've done has been to lead uh, in, an intercessory prayer time before the actual service starts on a Sunday morning. Mm. So people get there 20 minutes early. Whoever can come or whoever um, whoever has a desire to come to pray for the service. Um, whether the pastor comes or not, I think it'd be a great idea for the, for, for the pastor, maybe pastor doesn't have to be there, but for the pastor to, to ask, is there a quorum? Is there three to five people who would be able to come to church 20 minutes early to pray for the service? Um, and, you know, I tell the story and it's, it's all over the internet, but uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, the great British preacher, um, had you know a booming, a booming ministry, and some a couple from out of town had heard about his ministry. They came to see him. They came to his church. They got there early. He's walking around the aisles. He sees his couple and welcomes them, and you know, and and there he is curious about them, and they say, "Well, we're just curious about this church," and he says, "Well." Would you like to see the furnace? They're like, what? The furnace? And and uh, so they're polite British people. So they say, okay. So he brings them downstairs into the basement. He opens up this door. And in the furnace room is a group of 100 people who are praying, who are interceding for the service that's going to take place. So people talk about the, the power of his preaching. You know, was the power of his preaching because these people were praying? I, I you know, we don't know. There, there isn't a, an equation that says you pray, you know, with this much power, this, this many decibels <laughs> and this many words, it will equal this. There is no equation for that. But what if there's a group of people every Sunday morning, they came in a little bit early and they prayed for the service? And as we did that at our church, um, it's not happening right now. I, I wish it was, but at the time, at the season when we were, when we were doing this, um, when that happened, that that very day, that first day that we did it, um, I um, uh, kind of debriefed with the pastor afterwards, and he, all of us, sort of said we really felt something different in the church, like there was. And aliveness and uh, an alertness in the service that that really wasn't there before. Um, so, so that's one thing to possibly do would be to to see if there are a group of people who might be willing, who might be interested in doing that. The other thing we did was, and this was during during the pandemic. We like I had these these three people who I these other three people who I prayed with. We set up what we called prayer pods. And so people, it was groups of three or four people kind of all around the city who would connect once a week um, and pray and pray together. Uh, and particularly to pray for um, either things that were on their heart or to pray for the mission of the church. I think oftentimes what gets us um, off track in prayer and what becomes a bit boring sometimes in prayer and so we pray about the same things over and over and over again, uh, the same prayer concerns or needs. But can we pray into like, 
one of the things I do when I was leading that the prayer session before our worship service was to to take out the mission statement of the church. A lot of parishioners may not know the the mission statement. The staff usually do, but a lot of parishioners don't necessarily know it. But I took out that mission statement and I used that kind of as our theme for mm. how we're going to pray, you know. And we prayed into that theme. So that that's I, I would I would encourage every pastor who hears this to consider setting up some type of a prayer uh, prayer cover, if you will, that happens mm. before before the service. Mm. What are some obstacles that you have noticed with churches and groups that have decided to commit to interceding? Obstacles. Well, I think, um, yeah, it's the it's the uh, what are our what are our, what are our requests? What are our prayer needs? And so you spend all this time listing these prayer needs, as opposed to getting to the very point of prayer. You know, so there's a way that you can intercede together by um, praying your request as opposed to talking about your request or presenting your request, you know? Um, And the other thing I probably, what the the most, um, one of the key things in the book is I talk about this aspect of, or this mechanism, if you will, of, uh, of praying in agreement Um, and praying in agreement would be simply um, you, you make a, uh, an audible paragraph together. So what, what helps in that, you talked about obstacles. What, one of the obstacles is, is that someone prays on and on and on and on and on, or someone, someone prays very eloquently and someone who's new to prayer feels intimidated. Mm. Oh, I can't, I can't pray that way. But in praying in agreement, all we do is one person starts off and they pray like two sentences, two sentences. That's it. Two sentences, and um, say you say you prayed those two sentences. As I'm listening to your prayer, something that you say catches me, like it 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 rises up in me, and so then mm-hmm. I take that I take that and I, I I take it deeper and maybe broader. Then the next person hears what I pray because they're listening to my prayer. They're not thinking about what they're going to pray, right? Because you're only praying two sentences. Or one to two sentences, right? And then that that helps to break up that the you know the people who pray on and on and on and on. It's the best that's way to pray together. I think that's really what a great advice, great thought too, because it's almost like you're, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like the power of prayer that I've noticed in times when I've been praying, we be, right before the pandemic kicked in. We started an intercession group that was meeting before our gatherings. And it was power. Like it's you're right. There seemed to be a tangible difference and authority about the preaching, you know, the worship, uh, like just the stories, whatever, whatever elements were taking place. And then the pandemic hit. We haven't gotten back to that. We haven't got back to the same building. You know, just it's been kind of a mess ever since. But it was funny because just a few days ago, I was actually thinking we're we're getting ready to move to move to the building that we met at before the pandemic started. They opened back up to us, 
And I, the first thing that came to my brain is like, we've got to get that intercession team back up because there's something, I don't know. It just, it feels like there's a covering or yeah, the furnace and, and I, or, or just something that, that seems to, 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 to move beyond just let's make sure we've, we've crossed our T's and dotted our I's for the gathering. But like, we are actually doing the real work of like, Holy spirit, come, we can't do this. We don't want to do this without you. Right. And so it's interesting because a lot of the prayer groups that I've, I've been in or near or, or paid attention to over the years, you, you, it's normally the word revival is not too far behind the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, what are you hearing? What are you noticing about like prayer, you know, just the movement of prayer and revival within where we are right now in this time and context? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know, uh, revival is not going to happen unless, unless you pray. Um, yeah. every revival that's happened has, has started because of prayer and is sustained by prayer. So, um, they go, they go together. They go together. Uh, there's not one without the other. Um, when I think about revival, um, uh, you know, I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship in our, our, um, the thing we're working under right now that is the first line is longing for revival. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I, you know, do we long, do we long for that? And it's those longings that are going to move us into prayer and keep us in prayer. I think. Um, and, and, you know, and revival, revivals, you know, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but revival starts in the church, you know, Hmm. revival starts, you know, maybe not with a congregation, but maybe it starts with a pastor. It starts with the, with the pastor, not just going through the motions or the ministers, not just going through the motions of doing church, but living my life with God. Longing to live that life that is abundant with God. Um, and longing for each person in my congregation to be living that way. So, so repentance and awakening, that's, that's, you know, that comes as we, as we pray, I think prayer, mm-hmm. prayer, which leads to repentance and awakening. And then comes, you know, the conversions of the multitudes. Carolyn, I appreciate your heart so much. And I appreciate just this conversation. I, I sense that pastors are tuning into a conversation this morning that is hopefully like wind in their sails. Mm. Um, but could you leave us with a, with a benediction or a blessing or a prayer um, as, as we end our time together? Mm. Sure. God, I bless... Um each one of these listeners in your name with your power. May you, Lord, be the uh, the wind in our sails. May your voice be uh, that which comes from us and goes out. And Lord, would you lead us uh, on our knees? Lead us as those who who bend their knee to you, recognizing that you have the power and the authority and the love 
to bring change to this world that you have made. Amen. Amen. Yeah,